Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 289. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back in the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Brian McClanahan, like my Facebook page at Brian McClanahan, and of course, subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast at Brian McClanahan. You'll find all those social media buttons on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address and I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll. You get a free class when you do so. You can also go to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support. Throw a few pennies my way. Help keep the lights on. Help keep the podcast going. Get your book book plates there. And, of course, you can go to Learn True, T-R-U-E, learntruehistory.com. That's my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom, where I teach with Tom and a whole bunch of other instructors. It's a great website. So you've got McClanahan Academy, a great website. You've got eight classes available for purchase there. You've got Learn True History. You can get lots of education online. And I'm part of all those ventures, so if you like what I do here and you want to help contribute to the cause of thinking locally and acting locally, you can get a great education for it and, of course, help support this free-of-charge podcast. So it's a win-win for you and a win-win for me. And, of course, always get your Brian McClanahan Show gear. Just go to brianmcclanahan.com, click on that Shop tab, get your T-shirts, stickers, skins for your electronic devices, all kinds of cool stuff with my logo on it. That also helps support the show. And, of course, you can rate the show on your favorite podcast website, wherever you get your podcasts. You can share it on social media. You can get people thinking locally and acting locally. The best growth is organic growth. Listeners going out and saying, hey, I love this show. You should check out the Brian McClanahan Show. All right. Let's talk about the topic of the day. And, of course, we've had Trump acquitted. The acquittal has happened. Everyone knew this was the foregone conclusion in this great Greek comedy, the, the outcome was certain. Uh, but that hasn't stopped a number of funny things going. That's why I say it's a Greek comedy, right? It hasn't stopped a number of funny things. I mentioned uh, in the last episode of the show that you had uh, Speaker Pelosi uh, rip up the State of the Union address, rip, rip, you know, tear it up. Um, one of the funniest things that came out of that that I read in, in the reaction to it, and I can't, I'm going to have to look at the exact quote. It was um, uh, this from Representative Hank Johnson of Georgia. Quote, he, Trump, dishonored the State of the Union as an institutional practice. It was kind of outright pandering to his base. It was just a disgraceful display. Now, think about this particular quote for a second. 
And I'll, and I'll get into the impeachment and what I want to talk about with that in a second. But think about, this is kind of piggybacking on what I said yesterday. Think about what he said here. He dishonored the State of the Union as an institutional practice. How? By giving a partisan speech? This is what every president does for every State of the Union address. I mean, would, would, did, did Hank Johnson say this about Barack Obama's State of the Union addresses during his time as president? No. Uh, but that was outright pandering. I mean, here's a guy that stood up. Obama stood up and said, I know something about winning elections. I've done it. You know, you got to got to beat me, essentially. He's he's making a political speech and shoving it in the face of the opposition party. But, of course, Hank Johnson would not say, well, I mean, this guy's making a purely partisan speech. He's pandering to his base. So was Obama. So was George W. Bush. So was Bill Clinton. So was George H.W. Bush. It doesn't matter what president you're talking about, particularly in the age since Woodrow Wilson, when the president uses the State of the Union as a campaign speech. They do it every single time. Whether it's campaigning for their own re-election or whether it's campaigning for their party's election in the upcoming uh, election cycle, whatever that is, I mean, the president is out making political speeches. It's what it's all about. It's not about the state. I mean, if, if the Democrats really wanted to curtail the power of Trump, they should have not invited him to the State of the Union. They could have done that because said, you're not invited. You're here at the invitation of Congress, and we're not inviting you. You're just not allowed here. So they could have done that. Speaker Pelosi could have said, you're not invited. Instead, she does this little, uh, you know, scripted game according to uh, what I've seen, an image where she had the, the speech pre-ripped so it was easy to tear into it, right? So some, one of her staffers probably got a little rip in there so it's Pelosi because Pelosi couldn't do it herself. Ripped it up. This was all scripted. And you've got morons like Hank Johnson running around out there. Oh, I mean, he's kind of pandering to his base. Of course he is. What would you expect any other president to do? This is where, when we get into impeachment... And some of the things that have been said about it are just ridiculously stupid. Now, I've already talked about impeachment on this particular podcast. I've explained why I think Trump could be impeached, but not for the accusations being leveled against him now. However, uh, if we are going to follow that abuse of power, we're going to follow that rabbit hole. There was an article that one of the things that I think will come out of this because we have a political climate that is, I wouldn't say it's hyper-partisan. Uh, it's hyper-stupid. And I say it's hyper-stupid because people, I mean, you had this little, I saw a video of this little moron at Arizona State University running around saying he wants to slash the throats of Republicans and calling Republicans fascists. We're in hyper-stupidity in America. You see, the Democrats and Republicans don't differ with each other on many things. Because they're all nationalists. They just want the national government to do maybe slightly different things. But have Republicans really followed through with cutting spending? I mean, no. We've got trillion-dollar deficits as far as the eye can see. Donald Trump is a 1940s Democrat. If this was 1945, the Democrats would be just just applauding Donald Trump. Oh, great. You're, you're raising tariffs. You're out there supporting infrastructure. You're supporting um, a larger military. I mean, this is exactly what the Democrats wanted, too. 
There's no difference. There's no difference. Uh, back in the 1970s, you had uh, you know Robert Whitaker and George Wallace and some of these are saying this. I mean, this was the kind of this is that splinter going out there. Well, there's not a dime's worth of difference between the two parties. I mean, this is this is what people were saying back in the 70s. Of course, even bringing up you know Wallace um, when he said something that was right can get you in trouble. But Wallace did say that. I mean, Wallace was wrong on many things, but he was certainly right about that. The parties are the same. So all of this political theater and all that it is, is is just laughable. You had a, a talking head get up and say that uh, the senators who voted, the senators who voted against impeach against removing the president were committing treason. Now, that's a strong statement. Let's look at what the actual definition of treason is in the Constitution. Treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them. Notice that the United States is not it. It's them, the states. Lincoln didn't get that. Or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt, overt act or on confession in open court. Um, so when this moron runs around saying that, oh, the senators have committed treason by voting uh, against uh, removing the president from office, uh, see, because the, uh, the president was a Russian asset. A Russian asset. He's working for Russia because he's against Ukraine. Investigating the Bidens. Um, I'm not certain how his definition of treason meshes with Article 3, Section 3 of the Constitution. I, I can't figure that one out. Um, Chalkin says, only in levying war against the states. Did Donald Trump levy war against the states? No. Did he adhere to their to the state enemies of the states? No. Did he give any enemy aid and comfort? No. Or did these senators do any of these things? That's the, that's the better question because we're talking about senators. Could two people say that the, these senators have committed... I mean, this is just where these people have Trump derangement syndrome to the point that they are clinically insane, I think, in many cases. So we've got this, this, this comedy of the impeachment. We've got the comedy of the entire process. Now we have the scripted comedy in the State of the Union, both scripted, as I talked about. Everything was scripted. Trump wasn't going to shake hands with Pelosi. Pelosi was going to rip up the speech. Trump was going to make a hyper-partisan speech, which every president does in the State of the Union. I mean, again, if you really want to change that, just don't invite the president. Uh, I mean, that's the only way to do it. But that said, we've got impeachment. So we had 51 senators vote against conviction and 49 vote or is it 40, 50, oh, it was, uh, 51, 49, I think is the ultimate, is the end of the outcome, I, I, if my memory serves me correctly. And Pierre Delecto, otherwise known as Mitt Romney, voted for conviction on one of the articles of impeachment, abuse of power. So I want to address his speech, and also I want to address this idea of abuse of power. 
Did Donald Trump abuse power in what he was doing with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and asking the Ukrainian government to investigate the Bidens? More importantly, is it an abuse of power to withhold aid even if that happened until they gave in to his demand to investigate the Bidens? So Mitt Romney gets into this, Pierre Delecto. Pierre Delecto gets into this in his speech. Um, so here we go. And of course, Romney breaks down in tears. And I've seen a headline, Democrats are in tears as they watch Mitt Romney's emotional speech on the Senate floor. I mean, it's almost as if we're watching Aaron Burr all over again, right? Here's Pierre Delecto channeling his inner Aaron Burr making a speech that brings the Senate to tears. Uh, apparently, according to, because uh, there's, no, there's no documentation of this speech, the actual speech, when Aaron Burr gave his farewell address to the Senate, the Senate was brought to tears. So here we have Mitt Romney bringing this, it's Mitt Romney is the modern day Aaron Burr bringing the Senate to tears over his speech, choking up during the speech. Have to take a pause here because uh, I don't know. I, I just got to pause. Hold on a second. Okay, okay, I'm good now. I, I just had to pause there as I'm thinking about Pierre Delecto giving this speech. It really broke me up for a second. Uh, I hope to make it through the rest of this podcast. I don't know if I can, but I'm gonna try. Okay. Whew. All right. Well, I got to read the speech because it's it's so powerful. I, I just. I have to read it. Okay, Mitt Romney, Pierre Delecto, Republican, Utah. Quote, The Constitution is at the foundation of, of our republic success. Already he's incorrect about what he's saying. We have a federal republic, not a singular republic. And we each strive not to lose sight of our promise to defend it. The Constitution establishes the vehicle of impeachment that has occupied both houses of Congress for these many days. We have labored to faithfully execute our responsibilities to it. We have arrived at different judgments, but I hope we respect each other's good faith. The allegations made in the articles of impeachment are very serious. As a senator juror, I swore an oath before God to exercise impartial justice. I am a profoundly religious person. I take an oath before God as enormously consequential. I knew from the outset that being tasked with judging the president, the leader of my own party, would be the most difficult decision I have ever faced. Oh, God. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. I was wrong. I was wrong about this. Okay, I, had, I, I choked up there, too, because I was reading those lines. and I mean, it just gets me emotional thinking about having to vote against the president of my own party. Okay, hold on, hold on. All right, I'm back. All right. I'm good. The House managers presented evidence supporting their case. The White House counsel disputed the case. In addition, the president's team presented three defenses. First, that there can be no impeachment without a statutory crime. Second, that the Biden's conduct justified the president's action. And third, that the judgment of the president's actions should be left to the voters. Let me address each of those defenses. Now, before I get into this, before I get into this, and what the president is saying, or what Romney, the, the wannabe president is saying here, before I get into these offenses, I have to take a break because I have to collect myself for a second. 
because reading that opening part was very emotional for me. And I have just said, got choked up thinking about voting against the leader of the Republican Party. So before I get into that, I'm, I'm going to have uh, to take a break and I'll come back and get into what Pierre Delecto said. And is our democracy in peril on the other side of this? I'll see you in just a minute. Let me talk to you for a minute about McClanahan Academy. I know at the beginning of this particular podcast or this video, I talked about McClanahan Academy. But let me go into a little more detail about why I think you should sign up for it and why, and why I created it. First, a little bit about me. I have a PhD in American history from the University of South Carolina, and I've taught in the college environment for 20 years. And I've seen college students get worse over time, the curriculum get worse, and students are being indoctrinated more than educated now in our higher education system, whether it's high school or college. So I wanted a counterweight to that. And this is why I created the McClanahan Academy. Now, first, it's always free to enroll at McClanahan Academy. You sign up. It's free. And I give you a free course, 10 Myths of American History, when you do sign up. So it's a great way to get an introduction to what I do. But I've got eight courses for sale there and more forthcoming. All of these courses are designed to give you the non-PC version of American history, to take the red pill, so to speak. And I've got two courses in particular, my U.S. History Survey courses, which are designed for homeschoolers. So if you're a homeschooler and you want a good curriculum, and uh, my family has homeschooled all of our children from the beginning, and you want a solid history curriculum, that's why I designed the United States History 18, to 1865 and 1865 to present. You've got enough material, you've got lesson plans, you've got uh, tests, you've got reading material, you've got reading seminars, you've got 36 weeks, if you take them, buy them both, you've got 36 weeks of material, and it can be used as a high school history curriculum, or if you're just a lifelong learner, you can use it otherwise, but it's a great way to get a real history education devoid of Marxism and progressivism and political correctness. So sign up at mclanahanacademy.com. That's mclanahanacademy.com. Again, always free to enroll. And I'll see you there. All right, we're back. I had a chance to collect myself with Mitt Romney so I can talk about this speech, this speech that brought the Senate to tears against Donald Trump for conviction and the article of abuse of power. I have to keep reading it, though. I have to get... I, Look, I'm here for you. i got to get through this. All right. So he continues. The historic meaning of the words high crimes and misdemeanors, the writings of the founders, and my own reason judgment convinced me that the president, that a president, excuse me, can indeed commit acts against the public trust that are so egregious that while they are not statutory crimes, they would demand removal from office. To maintain that a, the lack of a codified and comprehensive list of all the outrageous acts that a president might conceivably commit renders Congress powerless to move a president defies reason. The president's counsel noted that Vice President Biden appeared to have a conflict of interest when he undertook an effort to remove the Ukrainian prosecutor general. If he knew of the exorbitant compensation his son was receiving from a company actually under investigation, the vice president should have recused himself. While ignoring a conflict of interest is not a crime, it is surely very wrong. With regards to Hunter Biden, taking excessive advantage of his father's name is unsavory, but also not a crime. 
Given that neither the case of the father nor the son was any evidence presented by the president's counsel that a crime had been committed, the president's insistence that they be investigated by the Ukrainians is hard to explain other than as a political pursuit. There is no question in my mind that were their names not Biden, the president would never have done what he did. Well, this is interesting because, I mean, is that true? First of all, they were being investigated at one point, and the Bidens pressured the Ukrainian government to shut it down. So maybe there actually was a crime being committed. Now, maybe not an American crime, but these people were being investigated in Ukraine. And the fact that aid was withheld by the Obama administration until that investigation was shut down shows you the extent of this particular activity. They knew it was wrong. This is nepotism at its worst. This is abuse of power by the Obama administration pressuring another... I mean, if you want to say that, if this is abuse of power, the Obamas were doing the exact same thing. So should Trump be convicted of a crime here that the Obamas were also committing that they were never investigated for or impeached for? Oh, I mean, the Obama administration. Now, you could say, well, the Republicans dropped the ball. Well, I would agree. Obama should have been impeached. So should have George W. Bush and Bill Clinton was impeached but not for everything he could have been impeached for. So, so should George H.W. Bush, Ronald Reagan. I mean, all these people should have been impeached. If we're going to follow this trend of saying presidents should be impeached for abuse of power, then every president from here on out should be impeached. We should have impeachment every single administration. The only time that's going to work is if there's actually teeth put in it. So I see, well, we're going to, uh, the, the Democrats are saying we're going to normalize abuse of power. This has been a, normalized since George Washington marched troops into western Pennsylvania to put down the Whiskey Rebellion. We've normalized abuse of power. This is why I hold, wrote a whole book about it. Nothing's new here. But yet, we have Pierre Delecto standing up and saying these things. Now, he continues, The defense argues that the Senate should leave the impeachment decision to the voters. While that logic is appealing to our democratic in instincts, it is inconsistent with the Constitution's requirement that the Senate, not the voters, try the president. Hamilton explained that the founders' decision to invest senators with this obligation rather than leave it to the voters was intended to minimize, to the extent possible, the partisan sentiments of the public. So here we invoking we're invoking Alexander Hamilton. You know Hamilton Hamilton's just the guy to go to. He's the go-to guy because as Chuck Schumer said, we got to I mean, there's a play about this. I found that funny Chuck Schumer actually brought up the Hamilton musical during this process to defend one of his positions. Actually it was the Bolton part where we weren't getting the testimony of John Bolton. We got to hear it for the people in the room, you know, as, uh, as they said in the Hamilton musical. <laughs> I mean, good gosh, we've gotten to this point where we're citing the Hamilton musical now. Hamilton is the gift that keeps on giving. Again, it's why I wrote a book about that one, too. Delectio continues, the verdict is ours to render. The people will judge us for how well and faithfully we fulfilled our duty. The grave question the Constitution tasks senators to answer is whether the president committed an act so extreme and egregious that it rises to the level of a high crime and misdemeanor. Here is the dramatic pause 
Yes, he did. The president asked the foreign government to investigate his political rival. The president withheld vital military funds from that government to press it to do so. The president delayed funds for an American ally at war with Russian invaders. The president's purpose was personal and political. So then Romney delivers the dagger. Accordingly, the president is guilty of an appalling abuse of the public trust. Now, you look at this list. Uh, his political rival. Now, this is a stretch because this would assume that Biden is somehow going to get the nomination. Biden is a private citizen at this point. Biden might be, I mean, he was a potential presidential candidate. I think at this point he had actually announced his intention to run for president. But more importantly, he's a private citizen. He's not the vice president. His son is a private citizen. And so if there is an investigation of these individuals, now you could say if they weren't Biden. How do we know this? How do we know Trump wouldn't have asked for an investigation of some other corrupt American? We don't know. I mean, I think Romney is actually on to something here. Certainly, uh, the, the fact that Joe Biden was the vice president and that his son was making a tremendous amount of money off of his father's name is highly problematic. Um, and I mean, look, there was already an investigation ongoing into these people that was shut down because the Obama administration pressured them to do so. Now, did the president withhold vital military funds um, and for an ally at war with Russian invaders? I mean, this is a question about foreign policy now. And Trump's, Trump has complete uh, autonomy over how foreign policy is conducted by the United States at this point. He's the president of the United States. He is head of state. So this is just ridiculous. This Now, again, could we say the president has abused power? I think at times, certainly, but not in this case. So Romney, Delecto, continues. What he did was not perfect. No, it was a flagrant assault on our electoral rights, our national security interests, and our fundamental values. Somebody please tell me how the Ukraine is part of our national security interests. Please, can, I mean, I really need somebody to explain this to me, how the Ukraine is part of our national security interest. Our fundamental values? Our electoral rights? What electoral... I mean, what, what electoral... So if there is information that Biden is a corrupt individual, his son is a corrupt individual, there is corruption, you want that guy as president? I mean, simple, people need to know that, if that's the case. We know that there was some reporting about this, and then it was swept under the rug, swept under the carpet, because the mainstream press, which is in the pocket of the Democrats, didn't want anybody to know this stuff. I mean, the mainstream media actually covered this at one point, and then it just disappeared. Why? Because Biden was going to be the guy to take down Trump. So you can't have the guy that's going to take down Trump have all this corruption out there. You can't have that. Do we want this kind of corruption in the executive office? I mean, this is the question that Trump was trying to bring up. In fact, you could argue that he's trying to help our electorate. He's trying to get information out there. Now, um, I know that's going to make me sound well. I'm, I'm, you know, just, I'm, I'm supporting corruption. We got corruption all over the place. Corrupting an election to keep oneself in office is perhaps the most abusive and destructive violation of one's oath of office that I can imagine. Corrupting an election? Did he corrupt an election? No. I mean, this is the narrative of the Democrats. The election was somehow corrupt. We know the Clintons were taking huge amounts of cash 
for the Clinton Foundation, hoping that they would have these governments would have influence in the Clinton administration should Clinton win. All that cash is now dried up. That's, that's the very definition of corrupting an election. Foreign influence. I mean, you want to look for corruption, it's all over the place. It's all over the place. This is just, I mean, this is, this is small potatoes compared to what we actually have in terms of corruption in American politics. So, Delecto is, I think, being a little hypersensitive here to some things. Again, if we want to go after corruption, I'm for that. If we want to say, all right, we're going to take down corruption in American politics, then, of course, you, you should start impeaching every president. In fact, you should, go, you should go after many public officials who are guilty of corruption. Let's go back to Alexander Hamilton on that particular statement. Corruption. The very system of politics and our very system of American politics in particular allows for corruption. And I'll go back to a dinner between, uh, that was uh, where where, uh, John Adams, Alexander Hamilton, and Thomas Jefferson were talking about the British Constitution. And Adams made the statement, and Jefferson recorded this, that if it wasn't for the corruption, the British model, constitutional model, would be the best in the world. And Hamilton supposedly remarked, no, no, no. It's the corruption that makes it perfect. It's the corruption that greases the wheels, in other words. So, Hamilton well understood that corruption, in his mind, was essential for a functioning government. Is that the truth? Do we want to get rid of corruption? If we really want to get rid of corruption, then you you'd almost have to tear down the entire system. Because, by nature, the system is corrupt. The United States has a corrupt political system. Uh, Without question. And Trump is just a symptom of the disease. Obama was a symptom of the disease. The Bidens are essentially, I mean, 100% a symptom of the disease. Here's a guy that's never really held a job other than being a politician his entire life. Who lies? One of my favorite Biden lies. Of course, I I grew up in, in Delaware, so... Biden was our senator. But uh, one of my favorite Biden lies, and it comes out every now and then, is where he says that the man, if you don't know about Joe Biden, tragically, his wife um, was killed in a car accident uh, when he was younger. And, um, I mean, this is very tragic. Sad story, right? But he, he stretches what happened. He says the man was a drunk driver. It's not true. He, he, he embellishes the story to get sympathy. I mean, Biden is a career liar. A career liar. Does Trump stretch the truth? Absolutely. Does Trump lie? 100%. There's no no doubt about it. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, this is is what you expect. This is why you can't believe anything these people say. You really can't believe anything they say. So then Romney continues, in the last several weeks, I have received numerous calls and texts. Many demand that. In their words, I stand with the team. I can assure you that the thought has been very much on my mind. I support a great deal what the president has done. I have voted with him 80% of the time. But my promise before God to apply impartial justice required that I put my personal feelings and biases aside. Were I to ignore the evidence that has been presented and disregard what I believe my oath and the Constitution demands of me for the sake of partisan end, 
It would, I fear, expose my character to history's rebuke and the censure of my own conscience. I am aware that there are people in my party and in my state who will strenuously disapprove of my decision. And in some quarters, I will be vehemently denounced. I am sure to hear abuse from the president and his supporters. Does anyone seriously believe I would consent to these consequences other than from an inescapable conviction that my oath before God demanded it of me? Now, Romney uh, is playing fast and loose with his own personal... I mean, I, I do believe he's a very religious man, but when you look at what Romney was willing to say and do on the campaign trail when he was running for president in 2012, this man stretched the truth all the time uh, to get votes and to get support. Uh, he, he was certainly uh, a candidate, a politician, and he still continues to be a politician. Now, do I think that Mitt Romney is, I mean, look, even having a fake Twitter account called Pierre Delecto, I mean, here's a guy that's trying to hide who he is. We can take pot shots at the president and I mean, he's admitted it. This is not a reliable, trustworthy individual. So to say, I have this oath, I mean, it's, I have this oath. I've taken this oath. I've got to follow my oath. I mean, just ridiculous. He has a personal vendetta against Trump. In 2016, he gave one of the most ardent anti-Trump speeches of the 2016 campaign cycle. This guy has not liked Donald Trump from the beginning. And so here's his chance to strike at Donald Trump. He continues, I sought to hear testimony from John Bolton, not be only because I believed he could add, co add context to the charges, but also because I had hoped that what he said might raise reasonable doubt and thus remove from me the awful obligation to vote for impeachment. Yeah, okay. I highly doubt that's the case there, Pierre. Like each member of this deliberate body, I love our country. I believe that our Constitution was inspired by providence. I am conv convinced that freedom itself is dependent on the strength and vitality of our national character. As it is with each senator, my vote is an act of conviction. We have come to different conclusions, fellow senators, but I trust we have all followed the dictates of our conscience. I acknowledge that my verdict will not remove the president from office. The results of this Senate court will, in fact, be appealed to a higher court, the judgment of the American people. But I thought you said that's not good here. Wait, just a few senators. Let me back up, Pierre. Wait a second. Let me back up. I have to go back here. Uh, let me go back to Alexander Hamilton. The defense argues that the Senate should leave the impeachment decision to the voters. While this logic is appealing to our democratic instincts, it is inconsistent with the Constitution requirement that the Senate, not the voters, try the president. Wait, but then you say down here, the results of the Senate court will in fact be appealed to a higher court, the judgment of the American people. Voters will make the final decision, just as the president's lawyers have implored. But So which one do you want, Pierre? Which one is more important, Pierre? My vote will likely be in the minority in the Senate, but irrespective of these things, with my vote, I will tell my children and their children that I did my duty to the best of my ability, believing that my country expected it of me. I will only be one name among many, no more or less, to future generations of Americans who look at the record of this trial. They will note merely that I was among the senators who determined that the president was did, what the president did was wrong, grievously wrong. We're all footnotes at best in the annals of history, but in the most powerful nation on earth, the nation conceived in liberty and justice. That is distinction enough for any citizen. Uh, I mean, this its conclusion is this this idea of this national, religious nation. I mean, all that stuff uh, is just um, you know again historical uh, historical uh, fallacy. Um, Americans were del deliberately religious in the founding period, but the the 
Constitution was not divinely inspired. Uh, I mean, it's a mess of, con- of uh, compromises. Um, it was, in fact, a very bad document in many ways. And we, we weren't a nation conceived in liberty and justice. I mean, that's what Abraham Lincoln says, but it's not true. I mean, so you got all this nationalist myth thrown in here. Uh, so regardless, Pierre Delecto has made a case that the president should be removed because he abused power. Um, I think Pierre Delecto is completely wrong for this particular reason. I mean, because if we're going to do this, if, pre- if Trump is going to remove for abuse of power, then we have to remove every every subsequent president because the powers of the presidency are not going to shrink. The idea that somehow this normalized executive abuse is a ridiculous assertion. So Pierre Delecto running around out here saying, I mean, this is, we don't do this now. We don't do this now. I mean, how is history going to judge us? I mean, if there was a commitment from every Congress from here on out to impeach every president that abused power, I'd be on board with this 100%. I just don't think it's going to happen. The only way to really reform this entire system is to think locally, act locally. i got to end every podcast with that. It's got to come from the bottom up. you got to restrain power. you got to decentralize. That's how you're going to do it. And unless you're willing to do that, the power, power will never be reformed from the top down. It doesn't matter what the Senate did here or the Congress. It's never going to reform from the top down. So, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Hope you enjoyed this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. I will see you next time. <laughs>